from the land of mystery where dreams become reality always listening to stories from the past the present and the future this is back to your story All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? Thanks for tuning in. So before we get started, I'd like to talk about my stress, my stress levels. Yeah, they're turned up. They always are. Uh, especially after a long day's work, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? No, I um, part of my regimen is taking CBD. And for the longest time, I could not find the right one uh, until I was introduced to Jupiter. Jupiter CBD is USD organic. I uh, high quality stuff. And what I really like about them is they were designed to alleviate stress. Yep, I said it, stress. Uh, And they're offering something really special to my listeners, and that's a two-week supply. Two-week supply of the Jupiter Journey. Uh, Traditionally, it's 29 bucks, but for you guys, you guys get $10 off. So it makes it $19 delivered to your door for a two-week supply. It's called the Jupiter Journey. All you got to do is go to getjupiter.com, use the code STORYTIME, Time, and you get that bad boy for 19 bucks. So give it a try. And for everyone else, let's get to it. I have a really special guest on tonight. His name is Paul Nelson. He's a near, dear, great friend of mine. He is just really brilliant. He focuses on helping people out with their finances. He is a fiduciary and he is real and honest. And the things that we talked about, I believe will really help you guys out and inspire you to look at your money in a new way. Um, he's not giving us, uh, you should buy this, you should buy that, but more tips and tricks and, and his story of how he became the man who he is today. And he's someone I really look up to. Um, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to his story and hear all about him. So yeah, let's get to this. Wait, wait, wait. Until then, until we get to it, um, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, share the freaking podcast with your friends, family, everyone. DM me if you have any questions. I'm always here. Just reach out. I got it. So now, without further ado, let's get to it. Mr. Paul Nelson. So who are we talking to today, man? Paul Nelson. Paul Nelson. Buddy Polio. <laughs> the My one, friends call me Polio. <laughs> Polio. Polio's in the house. The one and only. Um, you know, for the listeners, why don't you uh, share with them a little bit about what you do? What do I do for what? money or yeah. for fun? Um... For work. For work. I'm a financial planner. I run a boutique independent financial firm, Viewpoint Financial Advisors in the San Fernando Valley. We work with people like you, you know, just individuals, families, small businesses. And um, what we do is just try to help them make good financial decisions, accumulate their wealth. Yes. At some point, you accumulate enough wealth to where you need it managed. Yes. And a lot of people can do it on their own. There's a lot of uh, resources out there. Some people just don't want to do it on their own. They want, they, a lot of people just want to know that they're okay. So yeah. they'll hire somebody like me and, yes. um, you know, they'll, they'll come into the office or I'll go meet with them somewhere. And we just kind of look at their financial picture and uh, yeah. see what, what's important to them. Because everybody has something that makes them tick, right? Yes. Um, because money to me is just a tool. It's not the end. Yeah. 
It can help you get some things in life that you really want, a sense of enjoyment, accomplishment, maybe a sense of legacy for some people. Absolutely. And so every goal is going to be unique. Yes. And, um, the, the financial tenets are all going to be the same, but like, how do you get there? What kind of decisions do you have to make? I come in and I coach them. Just yeah. help them out, whether it be helping them set up the right investment accounts, making the right allocation decisions. And for some people, it's like, man, let's just figure out how to budget your money properly so that you can start doing those things. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, dude, all of those things that you just said are key. Um, And yeah, people can go out and look for themselves, but the amount of work and effort that it takes, um, it's, it's, it's not that easy. You know, it's not cut and paste. And especially, you know, living in the United States of America, um, our education system, uh, you know, from, you know, primary school to high school is not set up in a way to uh, really make, uh, you know, kids understand what the fuck is going on and how to save for the future and how to, you know, create, you know, financial freedom and how to, um, uh, you know, just even pay your fucking bills at the end of the day. It's, it's very, very hard and it's very challenging. And it took me many years and I still have a lot of time to go. And that's why it was really important for me to have you on. Um, uh, you know, not just because you're my friend, not just because I fucking love you, but because the wealth of knowledge that you have inside that brain, I want, you know, the people listening to this podcast to really get an understanding and just little nuggets and, um, you know, try to be able to, to save for the future and really start to kind of think about it really, you know, kind of rewire the brain because that's not how it's set up. Right. I think the lack of financial literacy in this country is a travesty. Yeah. That's, that's one of our biggest problems. That's one of our our biggest problems is that they don't teach kids about money when they're younger. I mean, school's great. There's a limited amount of resources for everything and there's a lot of good causes to throw your money at, but people don't know how to track their expenses. And that's so important. It is. Balance the checkbook, um, yeah. you know, how to, how to use credit, what goes into a credit score. I mean, those things are so important. And so we build up this generation of kids to get A's because they want to live the good life, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's why you want to get good grades so you can get into a good college. Absolutely. You want to go to a good college so you can get a good job. You want a good job so you can have a nice house and, and live the life, right? Yeah. The, the good life. but without knowing how to manage those, those assets, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Absolutely. You find yourself in debt for your whole life or yeah. living beyond your means. And, yes. And people get divorced over it. It's huge. It's you know, freaking, it's do it, terrible things yeah, with money. You know, um, you know, finances is huge, man. And it does cause a lot of rifts. I'm gonna move this mic just a little bit closer to you. Um, it, it does cause like a, a lot of rifts in relationships and uh, to be able to, um, really think about these things. And I wish that we did, you know, train the youth on uh, these key aspects of life. And, you know, high school should really be about that, setting up our, our um, you know, the, the future for a proper future. So, um, you know, for, for you, everyone has a story. Every single person has a story. Um, but you, you, you fascinate me, man. I mean, just every single time I've cut your hair, every single time we've hung out, uh, the wealth of knowledge that you drop inside my own brain, it's just like, and so, um, just to get the listeners a little bit of uh, understanding of who you are and what you're all about, uh, where did Polly originate from? Well, I'm going to get that mic just in front of you. I'm sorry. Sure. Under there. Yeah. In, in terms of like how I got started in my career. No, for, let's, let's go a little bit farther back. Uh, where were you born? Where were you born? San Fernando Valley. San Fernando. I Fernan- grew up in Arlita. Okay. Not too far. Uh, not, not the greatest neighborhood, but for me, it was absolutely perfect. 
In fact, a good friend of mine proposed a question to a bunch of us the other day. You know, we're in a new decade. Right? Yes, we the, are. In the 20s again. The roaring 20s. The question was, what was the best decade of your life? Yeah. And I kind of felt like a jerk because I didn't say the last 10 years. Because, you know, the last 10 years, <laughs> I got married in 2010. Yes. Bought our first house in 2011. Had my daughter, apple of my eye, in 2012. Yes. My little boy, Vincent, who, who you've cut his hair. Shout out to uh, Vincent. Yeah. Shout out to the family. Vincenzo. Yes. <laughs> He's, uh, he was born in 2016. I mean, some amazing things happened in the last 10 years. And yes. so a lot of accomplishments, a lot of joy. Um, but, you know, as an adult, there's a lot of problems too, right? You, yeah. you deal with death and sickness and, and arguments and marriage. And so you've got to make important decisions. So Absolutely. my answer, and I felt like I was cheating out my family a little bit. So <laughs> I, I threw a shout out in that question. There we go. For me, it was the 1980s. I was born in 1980. Boom. All right. So I don't know if that makes me a millennial or a Gen Xer. <laughs> I identify, I'm, I might be a Gen Xer, but I identify as a millennial. Yeah, there we go. Because I'm a little entitled. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. I You're just an old man. Millennials are going to save the day, yes. man. I, I stand by that. Me too. But um, in 1980, it was great. You know, growing up in Arlita, a bunch of kids on the block, yeah. riding bikes. You know, you know that your curfew is up when the streetlights are yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. You can just be gone all day long and not have to worry about it. I can't, I wouldn't think about letting my kids no, do that. There's no, so much fear. Yeah. Have too much knowledge. So much, too much, too much. So we're scared. But um, I had a great childhood, you know, growing yeah. up in Arlita. And I saw my parents struggle a bit with yeah. money. They, they made money. Yeah. But you know, you can hear them argue in the background once in a while. There was never enough. I couldn't just go to Target and get everything I wanted, unfortunately. But, um, you know, going out to dinner was a nice treat. Um, It's not something we ever took for granted. And um, when we got a little bit older, my parents were doing better financially. They were making a little bit more money. Um, I was the first kid in my whole family that went to a private school. And I went to private school in um, in only in high school. But it was a good experience for me. I think it kept me out of a lot of trouble because yeah. after high school, started to experiment with some things <laughs> and you know made some decisions. But I had a good foundation and kind of yeah. came back around in my senses. But um, we moved to Northridge okay. when I was about 16 years old. And that's where I spent the next couple of years. Okay. And uh, went off to college. There UCS, we go. UCSB, go Gauchos. Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. I started getting into my trouble. Yes, because, Isla you know, Vista, man. Isla Vista. I lived in Isla Vista for a while. Yeah. Um, have you been out there, right? Yeah, yeah. My brother went to college Halloween parties and whatnot. <laughs> Insanity. Yeah. So my first year, I lived on uh, Abrego Road. And um, after my first year, I, got, I became friends with uh, a girl that played on the water polo team or something okay. like that. And she lived in a house on, on DP, on Del Plata, yes, right yes. on the ocean, beautiful. And all the girls that she shared the house with went home for, um, for I don't know, Christmas break or something, yeah. so, or, or summer break. She invited me to stay with her. So okay. I did, and uh, I lived out there, lived the life. The parties were insane out there. Fucking nuts, right? Insane. (laughs) So I got that feeling, um, you know, you're walking down the street and you can just walk into any house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a keg of beer as long as you got a cup. cup, Upside down. It's all good, right? Right. So I I got to experience (laughs) the other side of that with people walking into our our place. And, you know, we missed a lot of mugs and (laughs) things go missing there. Of course. It was fantastic. Dude, that's so funny. I I remember um, as a 14 year old kid, uh, my brother's in college he's going to santa barbara uh you know lives on lives dp 
uh, that whole experience. And like once a month, I was so fortunate looking back now, but probably uh, my parents were a little crazy for allowing me to go, but I, I would go there. And I remember the times when he uh, lived in. They didn't in, know what was going on. No, 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 no. But eventually not. they did and they still let me go anyways, okay. because um, I'll get to this. Uh, my dad, like all of us would take trips down there and my dad would stay at the house and fucking party like all night long with uh, my brother and all his friends. And, and then I would stay. And I remember times when uh, we were like fucked up and we got these ideas. Uh, there was like a two story house and we're like, well, let's try to build a beer bong from the top to the bottom. And so we like get this tube and we like wrap it all the way around like the banister and shit like that. That's fantastic. <laughs> and it was just, uh, it, it was, it was a lot of fun and uh, a, a great experience, but I'm definitely uh, positive. You experienced um, a lot of fun shit. Yeah, while you're Our house there. was known for the ice luges. Oh, oh really? Yeah, there was an ice company. I can't remember the name of them, but out in Santa Barbara, we would just order these huge blocks of ice. We would get some chisels and just spend all Saturday no morning just way. chiseling out these like intricate designs in there. <laughs> We'd get these little plastic, um, you know, little toys you yes. find at the 99 cent store and just like litter them, put Christmas lights all over them. We we built supports so, <laughs> so it didn't come and impale somebody's face on it. But that would, that's what we were known for. Yes. We had epic ice illusions. I, I freaking love that, man. It brings the party. It does. And that whole experience, man, if you can um, go through it and, uh, you know, and then, and then get out of it, you look back and it was a, it was a great part of your life. It was a pivotal time where you finally, um, you get to experience, you know, what full freedom feels like. Um, that's important. It is. That's really important because as an adult, you know, married, settled down, wonderful wife, two awesome kids. I look back and I don't feel like I missed out on anything. There we go. You know, I know some other people that kind of kept it straight though. And I, you know, I applaud them. You know, these people had goals when they were kids. Uh And they lived them out, but you know, I think we have these conversations, and some of them are like, "Man, I wish." Of course, I wish I party. I wish I experienced life yes. a little bit more. I, yes. I feel like I've lived it to the fullest, and I wouldn't take it back. There we go. Maybe certain things, <laughs> but for the most part, it was important. No. It was, it's part of who you are. Everything you yes. go through, good or bad, you know, you get through it, and it. it makes it makes you who you are oh that's what makes you unique absolutely and it's you know it's a it's a pivotal time in your life you know Mm -hmm. and and going through those experiences and and looking back at your life trying to have no regrets um you know for some that's very very hard and and i and i understand that but um you know if you can live your life you know on your own terms if it's as long as it's you know good you're not doing some stupid crazy shit um i i think it's important so looking back at that time in your life and um yeah sure you would change certain things but it was a good part and it was that part where um poly poly d really started to define who he was as a individual because when you're young going through high school and all of that shit and then getting to that college point it's um it's huge and i never experienced that myself i got to experience it vicariously through my brother's um eyes but i never went to college and um what are your thoughts about you know college as as a whole in today's standards 2020 um you know a 17 18 year old kid uh you know, wants to go to school for, uh, let's throw doctors and scientists out the window, right? right? Because of course you got to go to college for that, but you know, they want to become an entrepreneur, right? Um, you don't need a degree for, for this. What what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that it's very important. Okay. I don't, I don't think you should just throw it out. And and I, I say that because I hear a lot of people, a lot of young people saying, I don't need to go to college. You know, it's an institution. It's, you know, you're going to get yourself into debt yep. and you can make it without college. Is that fact true? Absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of people who've, who've done it. It's, yeah. it's, it's happened. Yeah. But 
for the most part, I think you need to go to college. Um, you develop a certain set of skills in college. There's a certain type of experience. There's a certain amount of responsibility that comes yeah. with having to study for exams and making do on these things that you're working towards. I think college is absolutely important, you know, yeah. to, to write a letter properly or yes. to, to research things properly, work as a group. You get a lot of experience with that. When, once you're out in the real world, you don't have a lot of chance to mess up. You, know, you so get true. these opportunities and if you don't do it right, if you don't execute and you blow it, that might be one of your big shots and you probably get more shots. I don't believe you have like one big shot in your life. Yeah. I think there's a few if, you, if you're looking for it, but college is an opportunity to like mess up yes. a yeah. little bit and it just kind of hone your skills. So I think it's absolutely important. And I think there's, I didn't come with any sort of research, but people who go to college on average, yeah. they're gonna end up getting paid a little bit more. For sure. And uh, going through those um, avenues, I think employers, big companies, they still want to see that you have a, a, a degree. Absolutely. And to them, that's important. And if you can get, entrepreneurship is great. Yes. But you're not getting company benefits. You need to create those yourself if you're yes. going to be a, you know, make that for yourself and for your employees if yeah. you're so blessed. But you can get some great benefits. For sure. And I, you know what? I, my view is really starting to change because I was one of those people. Um, and I'm still kind of on the fence, uh, you know, like, uh, you don't need high hour college for, for everything. And sure, you don't need it for everything. You don't. But, but what I always do go back to and what still brings me back is that experience, the experience of finally being out on your own, um, you know, everything that you literally just said, hit it to a T and then to check it off is you still have the opportunity to fuck up, you know, where once you hit the real world, you know, it's, it's different, man. It really is different. And so, and then, and then to kind of bring it back, it's like, the amount of money that college costs today is insanity. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's really hard. And to each individual, it's, you know, it's, it's a different story, right? But um, it is those experiences. And if you can get through it with not stacking up $200,000 worth of debt, um, you know, it, 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 it then does start to make sense. You know, if you can do it in a reasonably affordable fashion. You know, this might sound a little cliche, but for me, looking back on my college days, I think one of the biggest things I took out of it was I overcame a lot of fears. There we go. So growing up, uh, very much mama's boy to this, to this day, <laughs> I love my mama. Shout out. But I was the first one in my family to actually graduate from college okay. and to actually go away to college. And uh, living with my family, the whole, you know, my whole family lived close by. So, you know, every single holiday, there was like, 30 or 40 of us and you know we're our our family's from Mexico. So, you know, first of all, we know how to party and yes. also there's a lot of us. Yeah. So, you know, it was You guys like to make them babies. Yeah, and I was really close to my to my family and for some reason I thought if I wasn't there something bad was going to happen. But okay. I had to make this decision, right? I went through my first heartbreak. Yeah. And I even tried to like find a college close by because I didn't want to leave, but I knew at a certain point, like I had to, I mean, Santa Barbara was the only college that took me, but, <laughs> That's so but going away, um, just maybe I was 20 years old Yeah. and the thought of ripping off that bandaid, being away from my family, even though they weren't that far away, an hour and a half drive, it, it was kind of, it was a little scary for me, Of course, you know, knowing I was going to be out on my own, didn't know any, I knew one person out there, a friend of mine from, from, uh, high school. Okay. And I moved out there, got in an apartment, was there for about three months by myself with no roommate yet, 
had to get a job, school hadn't started yet. So, I mean, there were a lot of lonely times. For sure. And loneliness is important, man. It is. Um, I know you can be lonely and be around a lot of people, but this, I literally was like by myself. And I I learned a lot about who I was. And that's around the time I was, you know, starting to like, smoke a lot of pot yep. and, you know, trying to learn how to play instruments. So I had a lot of time to self-reflect. For sure. And, you know, things going on at home and not being there and having to like deal with those emotions from afar. Yeah. That was tough, you know. Of course. Um, also going through heartbreak out there, you know, yeah. going through that first breakup when I, when I was away. I mean, there were a lot of changes, but once I got through that first hurdle, knowing like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. I can absolutely do this. I start, like the fear started to to just fall right off. Like yes. I mean, th- this is gonna be, um, even even fears like of heights. Okay. Right? I, was, I was afraid of heights. No freaking but way. But a friend of mine, uh, call him Chooch. Chooch. He, Chooch, um, he got into skydiving and he talked me into it. And that was one of the things I was never, ever, ever yeah. gonna do. I was in that boat too. But in the college, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 and, I was in it. And it, it wasn't amazing. <laughs> it's the like, most incredible, one of the most incredible experiences in my entire like life. like nothing like it. Nothing. And, uh, and I went. And, and I did it yes. and I ended up doing it like three more times <laughs> after that. But I mean, it's, it's those types of things. Like yeah. When you, you self doubt, yeah. when you have a little time to be lonely and think about who you are and you can kind of dig in and kind of tap into some kind of power that you didn't know that you had. Yeah. And for me, just college was the environment that allowed me to do it. College itself didn't allow me to overcome fears, but it put me in a position to where I had to figure out who am I gonna be? Absolutely, man. Who am I gonna be? Absolutely. And I developed a great community out there. Yeah. Never did a, it was never a frat boy. Um, okay. Didn't, uh, I didn't like hang out with a lot of the classmates. I ended up hanging out with a lot of locals through my job. There we go. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I bagged groceries at a Lazy Acres market, which is shout out to Lazy Acres <laughs> on the Mesa. Fantastic. And, um, and those turned into be some of my best friends. And it really showed me what community was all about. Absolutely, man. And you really hit a, a key is loneliness, man. Um, it can be very challenging. And I remember as um, you know, my teens and my 20s, uh, I fucking hated being alone. It took me many, many years to get past that. I always had to have someone around me all the freaking time, friends, whoever, whoever it was, you know, at, at all, at any given time. Um, it was for me really when I started to introduce uh, psilocybin into my life where those fears started to melt away. But it took me until I was, you know, almost 30 years old and to get to that. psilocybin really um, helps you tap into yourself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It like almost forces you it does. to look inside. It forces everything that is in the deepest parts of your brain to the front and makes you um, really go deep inside your brain and and, and look at them and face them head on. Um, And if you use it, I talk about this all the time, if you use these things as a tool, not something to go out and get fucked up and trip out and party and sure, that's that's fun. But the the, the main point of it is is as a tool, is as something that can help you get across whatever hurdle it is in your life. And, And time and time again, psilocybin has helped me go deep inside side and work this shit out in ways that I could never imagine. So for you going through that at such a young age, I, fuck man, I don't even know what I've gone through. Cause have I, you had, ever had any really trippy experiences? <laughs> I don't know if this is, this uh, is oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, more, more so on, uh, like LSD and DMT and I've shared those experiences, but like LSD, there was this one time, um, 
So I, the reason I was going through this experience, it was like a year and a half ago, and I did a boys trip. Um, and we went up to Alabama Hills. We rented an RV. It was four of us, and we just fucking went out. And I, I went on this trip, obviously, to have a good time with my friends. Um, but also, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes again, and I could not stop. I could not fucking quit it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do a hero dose of LSD. I did um, five hits, which is fucking insanity. And if you've never done it before, do not do this. Um, And even if you have, I do not recommend it to anyone unless you are one in the right mental space uh, to know exactly what you're about to go through. Um, But I I was set for it. um, And I knew that I I wanted to quit smoking cigarettes. So going through this experience... um, my friend and I, uh, we were the ones on LSD, the other people were on mushrooms. We got to a point where our brains were so linked up that it felt, it felt as if our thoughts, our, 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 our speech, our movements were interconnected. And we, we got to this point where we felt the mushrooms from the other individuals, we had to leave them. And I remember the sun starting to rise and we were so fucking in sync and the visuals were so strong that I would go, do you see that eagle? And all of a sudden an eagle would emerge and he would see the eagle. Hmm. And then he goes, uh, do you see, um, do you see those 10 dudes running? And all of a sudden 10 dudes would start to emerge. Anything that we could think of, anything that we could say, we both saw it. We can complete our, our, our sentences together. It was the most surreal experience. And I shit you not, that was the last day I've had a cigarette. No, that was two and a half years ago, mind you, right? Okay. I haven't had a cigarette since. Wow. Don't even think about it. It would not even be, um, it, it doesn't even come to mind. And and I vape right now and I'm hitting my vape right now. And um, there's a big event coming up at the end of the month. And uh, I'm going to do a hero dose a week later. Um, I'm going to go on a little trip by myself. Um, I'm going to do a big hero dose, dose of psilocybin. And um, What's a hero dose? Um, <clears throat> so... Traditional dose, like I, I, I don't think that anyone should be eating an eighth of mushrooms off bat. No fucking way, right? Um, the first time the I first, ever tried mushrooms, I did an eighth, and that's insanity. And yeah. that's how it was back in the day. And as a kid, and kids should not be doing these types of drugs. Your brain doesn't fully develop. The frontal cortex does not fully develop until you're about 25 years old. Like these are not things that you should be messing around, especially if you are, um, you know pre-schizophrenia, pre-disposed um, to you know certain mental disorders, it can bring an onset to these. And so you really have to be careful. And that's why as an adult, it's so um, it's smart if you're going to use it as a tool. But I do suggest anyone starting out um, to start out with like a half a gram, uh, start out small, build up. Once that starts to you know, feel okay, then take another half a gram, then another half a gram. Get to a point where you totally feel in control, not out of control. And Back in the day, it was an eighth. If you don't need an eighth, you're a fucking pussy. Well, dude, I had the worst times of my entire life. All right, I'll share one more story. I'll share one story um, about about, about LSD. But a hero dose um, is seven grams of mushrooms uh, or more. And that's fucking intense. Um, But you can work out a lot of shit, but you have to be in the right frame of mind to even go through it. So um, yeah, I don't suggest it, but I want to get back to your story, but I'll share one story about LSD because you asked me about it. Um, so with LSD, as a kid, I took two hits of acid. I was with my my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, Alyssa. I was seven, 16, 17, maybe we were just friends at that time, actually. Um, and I started having a really bad trip and it was... 
so bad that for some reason I thought the cops were after me. I thought that they were constantly, they were going to fucking barge down the door. It was freaking me the fuck out. And um, this was before my dad passed away. And I, I, I turned to Alyssa and I go, uh, you got to take me to my dad. You got to take me to my dad. And she's like, no fucking way. Are you joking me? You're frying balls. Like, no, I mean, no. We party with you in uh, yeah, Santa Barbara. Yeah, right? but this is so different. This is like so different. And I, I, he was the only person that could save me. This is what I thought. Mm-hmm. So eventually I convinced them to take me. And I remember running into my house because I knocked on the door. It was like 2 a.m. I run in and I like crawl up in like fetal position. I'm like fucking crying. And Alyssa talked to my dad for a minute. And then my dad comes. And this is where a lot of parents, if they're listening to it and your kid does this, do not freak out. Do not get angry. Do not get mad. Sit there. My dad sat down. He called me Zoidical and he put his hand on my head and he started massaging my head. And um, he goes, what's wrong? And I was like, dad, I took a lot of acid. I'm fucking tripping out. He goes, all right, just calm down. Everything's okay. He goes, mom's sleeping in the bed. I'm going to go wake her up and she's going to go sleep in her room. I'm like, dad, don't leave me. Dad, don't leave me. He goes, Brock, I'm just going right upstairs. So he goes upstairs, gets my mom, puts her in my room. So we go up to the room and all of a sudden the bad trip starts to turn into what? A good trip. And so I remember sitting in bed all night. My dad stayed up with me and um, I saw like this, like fucking like these fireworks in the room and all that shit. My dad was like asking me like what was going on. And so I was explaining to him and he's like laughing and, and I was like, I got to check on mom. I got to check on mom. So I'd go run into my room and I'd look at my mom and like her face was like melting off and I'd run back. And, um, and so I had an amazing time that night. The next morning, oh my God, I got in so much fucking trouble. I was grounded for like three months, I think. It was terrible, right? right. But at that moment, he knew getting mad at me was not going to help the Time situation. Time and a place for everything, right? Time and a place for everything. You sound really lucky. Yeah, I was fortunate, man. Um, but 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 now getting back to your story, um, you know, going through Santa Barbara, um, you know, you're you're now at this point in your life. What was after Santa Barbara? You know, you you got confusion. Infusion? Confusion. Confusion. Yeah, out Confusion. of college. Confusion. Yeah. That's common. I, I hit some loneliness again. Okay. So after after Santa Barbara, I graduated and I was work, I was driving a truck for UPS. Okay. Yeah, don't even ask okay. how that happened. <laughs> I well, couldn't actually, even imagine. My cousin Robert, he he was a manager at the one in Goleta. Okay. And um, typically you have to work there for years before you get accepted as a driver because drivers get paid good money and there's benefits and um, this particular center, it just wasn't running as well. They didn't have as many willing drivers. And I had worked there for four months before this opportunity jumped up. Me and my buddy Dan jumped on it. And we went to, I remember going to downtown LA for, for training. And they were asking how long everybody had been there. And they were kind of going down, who's been here for 10 years or more? Who's been here for five years or more? And when it came down to less than a year and we rose our hand and we said four months, we got a lot of dirty looks. Like, man, we... These guys were like, man, I've put in my years yes, to, to yeah, be yeah, here. Yeah. And you guys walked in. And so I drove a truck. That was fantastic. Wearing wow. you know, the Browns. That was an, a cool experience. One of the most difficult jobs I ever had to do. Okay. But I also realized that to stay in Santa Barbara was going to cost a lot. Uh, I felt like I had responsibilities at home with my family. Um, and I just, I felt a calling to go back home. Uh, you know, you know me, Brock. I'm yeah, a family man. 100%. And, uh, and I was being pulled back like a like a rubber band just kind of about ready to snap and i had to know it was going to let this thing snap or was going to let me pull back home yeah and i realized um i needed to go back home i was also starting to make some bad decisions you know dabbling with a little bit you know more party drugs yes um didn't have any good relationships i I started getting very shallow okay as well and um i knew i had to come so i went back home and i lived with my parents uh for maybe about two months okay 
realized I couldn't do that anymore. I'd had freedom for such a long time. Yes. So I went and I rented a, a room and I lived there. But what made it so hard was I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to school, uh, business economics major. Okay. Graduated, um, not with anything worth bragging about, but <laughs> I, I finished and, and uh I think what was so hard was I mentioned earlier that I developed this community, some of my best friends out there. Yes. And this was a group of friends that we just built each other up. I mean, we we would razz each other all the time. You know how, how boys. How, yeah, yeah, boys, right? But at the same time we would build each other up. Yeah. Great wingmen for each other. Fuck but yeah. you know, if we were playing sports, we would just talk each other up. Like really, um there it was it was an amazing group of friends. And leaving that to go back home, I, I had to make that decision, but I didn't have that back home anymore. So every weekend for like the next six months, I was going out there and just- Down to Santa Barbara. Yeah, going back up Holy and shit. just hanging out with my friends and and seeing them because I love them. You know, I love those guys. They're, They're brothers, so yeah. important to me. And they, I mean, they got me through so many tough times and just all the great times, but I didn't have them on a daily basis anymore. And that was a big change after three years of, of having that. Huge, right? Yeah, and um, started hanging out with some of my old friends who happen to be mostly my cousins, um, who I hang out to this day, you know, the tightest people in my life, but um, they were a little different. It, it was mostly put downs, right? <laughs> that boy part where you yes. just talk shit to each other all yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we do that now, but uh, I, I really missed that. I really missed the positive reinforcement that our group of friends have. And I didn't have that anymore. And in terms of career, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, all I knew was um, what I wanted it to look like. I, I, there was no substance in my dream. There was, I wanted to dress in a nice suit. Okay. I wanted to have a, a nice tie with a matching pocket square, there we fancy go. shoes, a good haircut. Fortunately, yeah. I met you, it was like <laughs> 10 years later. And um, go into a nice office building somewhere in, you know, on Sunset, you know, Santa Monica Boulevard and live that life. This is your dream. That was my dream. But yeah. if you think about it, if you boil it down, the dream was mostly about image. It's yes. what did I want it to look like? Yes. Because what kind of work did I want to do? I didn't know and I didn't really care. I just wanted the life. I wanted that good life we were talking about. Yes. And um, so I just started working at a job and thought, hey, you know, one step will lead to the next. Just, you can't just do nothing. You got to do something. And I had bills to pay, so I did that. Oh my gosh, that's and, crazy! And so that, to me, that that's what um, that was my plan is just to take the next step and see what materializes. But when you think about, it, that's not really a plan at all. No, that's not you're a just, plan. You're kind of stumbling through life. Well, a lot of us do that, you yeah. know. And, and it's okay if you want to buy some time, but uh, maybe don't do that for ten or twenty years. <laughs> no, you know? no, 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 it's too late. Because then you're going to come long. to a guy like me and say, "Hey, you know, I want to start thinking about retirement." Yeah. Yeah. You know, you spend a lot. It's not that it can't happen. You can yeah. you can make anything happen. I think to, within within reason. But um, I just um, I got a really good opportunity from my mom. There we go. Who's a financial advisor, and she said, "Well, Paula, you know, I know that you're working, and um, she needed help at her office because she was losing one of her advisors. She's a financial advisor as well, and um, she needed somebody that she could trust, somebody that would just pretty much support her, and hopefully learn the business." And she came to me one day and she said, hey, Paul, um, I really need somebody that can help. I know that you're, you're smart and you're capable. And most importantly, I trust you. Yes. You've got access to a lot of um, private information, you know, from clients. And I need you to come in and work with me for one year. And there's not a lot of expectation. I just need you to do what I tell you to do. I need you to learn the business and I'll teach you. And if it's something that you like, if this is a career, financial planning is something that you like to do, then you will have a position here. 
And wow. as long as you don't mess it up and the sky's the limit. But if you don't like it, like I said, I'm only asking for one year. I need that commitment. And if you don't like it, you walk away and there's no hard feelings. And I believed her. So I for said, sure. Okay. Well, how can I say no to my mom? Right? No, no, no. Of course. My mama's boy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't say no. No, to no, no, no to mama's mama dukes. Yeah, that's, so that's wow. Wow. That's uh, that's that's really incredible. You know, one thing that I'm starting to realize after doing all these podcasts, um, the people that tend to be. Um, you know, successful and happy. And this doesn't happen. This isn't for every case because it wasn't for me. Um, they uh, had a strong foundation. Their mom, their dad, very supportive, um, understanding, you know, and obviously growing up, uh, you know, kids will be kids, but um, as as a whole and just hearing your story, your mom coming to you, you were confused. You were you were lost. You you didn't know what the fuck you were going to do. Um, you you had a you had a, you know, a dream of the image and the look. Right. But you didn't know. And um, that is that is common for people getting out of college. Right. But your mom coming to you was a true pivotal moment in your life and your career and everything that you do now. So, um, at, at this point you weren't married, correct? I was not married. You were not married. Wasn't dating. But none of that. Right. Um, what did that year look like? Cause you said yes. Right. That year looked like, think of an intern that goes into a company, very green, doesn't know a lot, but very eager. Yeah. And uh, just trying to figure it out. So going in there, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I didn't like the idea of nepotism. I didn't want anybody to come in and think that I was given this because of my mom. Okay. When in fact, that was the case. I yes. was given that opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. because of my mom. <laughs> and you get opportunities in life. Of right? course. You get, you get a few. I think you you are a big advocate of you yeah. get three. You meet yep. three people. Yeah. I think of it, you get three big opportunities. Yes. And that for me was my first. There we go. That was, and so number... Two and three may have yet to come. So yes, I'm excited yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah. That was, like you said, it was it was pivotal. It was. But when I went, when I went in there, I was learning things, um, and that's the first time I actually worked with a company that had some kind of philosophy that had a certain level of values that was um, relayed to clients and to employees. And I just did anything that was asked of me, and I did the most menial job <laughs> possible. So it was at first it was me picking up the phone and trying to make appointments which was so scary for me. Just calling up and doing a service, doing something good for a client yeah. was, uh, I had fear of rejection. I always had, that's probably why I didn't date when I was even younger than, you know, I, I didn't have girlfriends in high yeah. school really, maybe one, but um, the fear of rejection was horrible. And I had to learn how to get over that. I had to file paperwork, but sometimes it also meant cleaning out the refrigerator, throwing away old food, anything, filing uh, documents in the back, or I did everything that I had to do pretty quickly and efficiently. Yeah. So I'd find myself with a lot of free time and I'd figure out, hey, I'd look around the office and think, what can we do here to make the office more efficient? What can we make it to look a little friendlier, a little nicer when you walk in? And so I'd find myself doing those kinds of jobs wow. or walking into my, my mom's office and saying, hey, um, I'm done with X, Y, and Z. What, what do you need me to work on? Or I'd have questions. Hey, what's, what is this? What's an annuity? What's a mutual fund? What's a brokerage account? What, what's a retirement? How do, what, what's the difference between this type of account and that type of account? And why, does, why did you give this advice? And I think I annoyed her a little bit because I had so many <laughs> questions, but she was good with me. She was, sometimes I'd get shoot off and sometimes I'd get the opportunity to sit down and, and learn. Uh, somebody would teach these things to me. But I was really inquisitive. And I think a lot of that carries over into, now I'm the leader of the office and yeah. I manage the office and um, we're going through a buyout right now. Right now. 
right now we're going through a buyout. So um, there's an official transition that's happening and I've been kind of um, the lead person for the, maybe the last five years or so, okay. managing and hiring. And what I learned, what I did in my first couple of years, um, being sort of a servant employee, yeah. I tend to put that on people that work for me now. Um, I there expect that. I don't believe that there's any job that's beneath you. You know, even to this Respect. day, I will make coffee before mm-hmm. a, a client walks in. If the trash is full or the shredding bin is full, I'll empty it. If paper needs to get filled in the in, in the copy machine, I'll do that. Because again, that my philosophy is that there is no job that's beneath you. And yes. if you see something that needs to get done, then it's your job to do it. I love that. And I uh, preach that to the people at the office. And so when I see that they're not being servant employees, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I get it, man. No, I, I trust me. I get it. And I love that, you know, you're at this point now where you're, you're at the helm of the ship. Um, if no job is beneath you, then no job is beneath anyone else. Right. And having exactly. that, um, that, that philosophy on life, uh, I, I want more people to have, right. Just fucking do it. Get that job done. Put in the hard work. For you, you did that year. Did you know a month through, a halfway through that, all right, this is what I want to do? Was it at the end? Did you have doubts? You know, that's a great question. I haven't thought about like when I fell in love with it. Um, probably when I got my first big sale or my first, my first big account is probably when I really got a taste for it. But uh, I don't know that there was like this moment where I said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. But I just, like I said, I kind of had the philosophy of just keep taking steps. Yes. Like you never, you, when you stop, you die. Yeah, exactly. Right? You, when you stop, it, you're done. That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I never want to be in a position, maybe you'll hold me accountable for this. You know, <laughs> I if, definitely if will. If the motivation ever falls out of my voice one day, you just, you tell me, you give me a nudge, but um, I would uh, learn. And to this very day, I'm, it's, I'm all about learning, all about teaching, but... I went and quickly got my Series Seven, which is a license. Yeah, explain that real quick. To what, what right, it is. it's a it's a it's a license that allows somebody to sell products. Essentially, okay. if you want to sell stocks or bonds or mutual funds, you need that license. If you want to do life insurance or annuities, you need a California life insurance license. If you reside in California, of yes, um, every state has their own kind of jurisdiction, but that Series Seven is more across the country. Yeah, and. Um, so I got those license. Apparently the test was supposed to be hard. I didn't find it. <laughs> You're like, no. No, I'm a, I'm a pretty good test taker, but I didn't find that find it that difficult. I think if you work hard and you study, you can go ahead and do it. Absolutely. But that only gives you the ability to do it. It gives you the license to do it. I wanted to do it well. I wanted it to do it better than anybody else that in the valley. And so I continued to move on. And I got a really good piece of uh, advice from somebody in the business that I really respected. And they said, hey, you know, you should go and get your CFP. And it's a certified financial planner designation. Okay. It's issued by, the, um, by a board. And it's a, it's a tough test. You've got to have some college experience. Okay. You've got to take uh, college courses, um, about eight to 10 classes. All right. For me, it took about three years because I was only taking one class at a time over at UCLA Extension, which is a great program. Fantastic nice. educators there. And um, I got to meet other people in different companies, large and small, and saw how they were doing business. So, you know, learning from your peers yes. is so important. Yeah. Um, but also learning from a book, learning from teachers. And then you take a test. You, it's okay. a test. It's a two-day long test. I think it's a total of eight to 10 hours or so. Wow. That was tricky. That was, that was a very tough test. Um, I think at the time there was maybe a 50% pass ratio. 
but I got that and just kind of continuing to add designations to my name, not because I think it gets me business. I don't think the CFP designation got me any business. Um, a couple years ago, I got my MBA in financial planning okay. specifically. I don't think that gets me clients, but what it does is it it makes me better at what I do. There we go. And that, you know, I think you owe that to people. 100%. I mean, you're a stylist and you're yeah. an educator. That's yes. what you do. You Education. can make a fantastic career doing what you're doing, yeah. but to you, you want to learn. And I, and I see that personally. And and everybody in my life that does what they do, but they're, con- you know, they're reading books, they're going to seminars, they're learning or even teaching, because that's teaching is a great way of learning also. 100%. I think that they are the best people at what they do. So they you are. got to keep you got to keep moving. To. You, you got to keep learning. Definitely. And so along that, to sorry to get, no, get no, no, back no. to your question, yeah. is throughout that process, just learning more and seeing what I was able to do, it's something that I was naturally good at. And I really, really started to fall in love with it. There we go. And I was starting to make a little bit of money as well. And my financial position was getting better because it was terrible coming out <laughs> of college. We can talk about that if you want to. But um I started, I had um, some insecurities. Remember I told you, I'm For afraid sure. of rejection. Yes. And at the end of the day, as a financial advisor, you've got to sell at a certain capacity. You've, got, you you've got to get people to work with you and let you manage their money, manage their financial life. That was a hard part because I never liked the idea of selling things. And to this very day, I hate that idea. I'm not it. a good salesperson. But somewhere along that process of getting my CFP, Something clicked inside of me. Maybe I was working with some clients and giving them great advice. At least I thought it was. Um, I realized that, man, I'm providing this service to people. And when we're done, they say, oh, what a relief. Oh, that, that just, that, I had a burden. I was wondering, and I just, I feel so much better. I realized at a point I was providing value to somebody and it wasn't about selling. It was about providing a t- certain type of service that was very exactly. important to their lives. Yes. And once I embraced that idea that I was doing more than just making money or doing a yep. job, that's when I knew that I was a financial planner at heart. That was your calling, man. That, that was, was your my purpose. calling. And then that I've been in the business for about 16 years. Wow. I would say that happened probably somewhere along year three or four. Okay. Up to that point, I was just still learning. Yeah. You were just you figuring were, it out. For sure. You know, that's really incredible. Yeah. You know, so you got to stick with it too, you do. right? You, you know, a lot do. of times people jump into something and it just, it doesn't feel good or they hit a couple hurdles or, or a wall. And the move on to the next thing. Yes. You know, maybe you got to stick with something a little bit longer. You do. You, know? you do. Anything that you do in your life, it, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. You have to put in, you know, three, four, five years of, of hard work to really start to see that light at the end of the tunnel. And then there's going to be another tunnel and another tunnel and another tunnel. But, you know, whenever you're going through something, whoever it is, right, and you, you, you get a new job and it seems fucking hard. Well, of course it's hard, right? Anything new is going to be a challenge. But you want to be... Um, vulnerable at times in your life, you know, and, and really recognize that and focus on that. And, you know, the education part that you were talking about, it's so key. Do not stop education at any point in your life. If you want to progress forward, um, you, you have to be able to start learning and getting back to those basics. And we live in a day and age where we have the internet. There's so much information out there and it's hard, uh, you know, for people to decipher what's, what's good and bad, but there's plenty of channels out there for whatever career, whatever industry you want to get into. And so for you being a financial planner, uh, you know, hitting year three, hitting year four, up until that point, especially at that first year, what did the people think of you? Because you were the kid brought on by your mom. So it almost did look like a, a handout. 
Right. It, it certainly did. And like I said, that's a chip that I think I wear on my shoulder to this very day. Yes. I always wanted to feel like I earned it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I went above and beyond and, and did extra things around the office because I always felt like I had to prove myself to this very day. And um, did other people view me that way? I think so. Okay. And, and it's not like anybody came out and said it. There are little comments, you know, if I showed up to the office a little bit late, there's some <laughs> eye rolling. There's For sure. a couple of comments. And if I was working on a project that I knew was really important, but maybe it looked like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And truthfully, I would kind of put other work aside that I didn't feel was important. And I'd work on these different projects because in my mind, it was going to make us more efficient. It was going to save us time. I was setting up systems. I was trying to leverage technology into our business to, yeah. to help us move forward and grow past what we were. But I can, mo- I can see some, some looks come my way. And when I wanted to implement certain ideas, Huge. most of the ideas I had cost money and it cost people time. There we go. And all of the ideas that I implemented meant something had to change. People don't like to change. They don't. I mean, when you're comfortable doing what you're doing, um, you know, especially if you're an employee, you're you're receiving a paycheck. Um, it's you don't always want to change what you're comfortable doing. Of course, it's, it's not good. And I loved what you said earlier about you have to sometimes be vulnerable. You do. I totally believe that. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable to, to people in relationships and friendships at at work because um, another way of saying it is you have to be humble. You have yeah. to be humble enough to realize that you can learn from other people. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a mentor or somebody that you view as above you. It could be anybody, Anyone. anybody that you can interact with, um, You know, your employees, your your clients, really. I mean, Anyone. there's Anyone. so much to learn. But yeah, yeah I, I think that early on, there was a judgment because I was coming in and um, people knew how up. my mom felt about me. She, you know, was kind of like her little golden boy. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I felt like I had something to prove. Yeah. And sometimes that meant I had to wear that image for a while. Of course And that do. the only way that I was going to change people's opinion was to show that the ideas had merit. Absolutely. And that I could execute on them. Yeah. And all of it involved hard work. And it definitely uh, is... Um, a testament to your character, you know, coming on your mom, just giving you that chance, right. Um, wanting to show you the industry. And then 16 years later, you're, you're, you're the captain of the ship, man. You know, that, that, and it did not happen by a handout. Um, you know, it was more of a hostile takeover. (laughs) Get the heck out, mama. No, um, (laughs) I always love my mom. Can't do that. That's so funny, man. Um, so then after, so then after these four, four years, um, you started to kind of get into your groove and really start to enjoy it. Um, at this point in your career, um, had you started to begin a family? Where were you at? Because at what, what at what age were you now? So I was 23. So okay. I, I was oh, a, I was a youngin. Yes. I, I, I finished uh, college, came back in 2004. Okay. Started in 2005, early 2005, and just kind of hit the ground running with that. But I was really lucky that I didn't have to go out and uh, and start selling things, start getting clients. Um, I had a really great environment in that. I was allowed to go go on appointments with the advisors in the office and hear the way conversations were had, see the way that de- advice was delivered, that service was delivered. Yes, I didn't have a pressure because um, I hear from guys at you know those big like banks and and wirehouses that they passed their series seven. They had you know certain amount of months to study and pass pass it. And they were sit sitting next to a hundred other people in cubicles, given a yellow page, and they had a cold call. 
I couldn't, I couldn't do that. There's no way I can do it. <laughs> so I was really blessed to be in a different type of environment where it was really like, let's learn first. Yes. And then as you start to develop, then there's going to be an expectations for you to go out and you know be a real advisor. And for part, sure. Part of that selling and getting clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and so, so going through the changes that you were talking about, um, what, what were you trying to implement into a company that, you know, had been around and they had their stuff, your, your mom, you know, built a nice business and, you know, you had employees and all that stuff. What, what were you trying to change at the time? Okay. So a lot of that goes back to my views on selling things. Okay. And, you know, way back in the day, our company was started in 1974. Mm. It was, you know, you sell a product and you get a commission. Yes. That, that's how it worked. You know, you go into an advisor's office, you want to make an investment and you ask the advisor, hey, um, I want to make an investment. And they ask you some questions and they give you some advice and say, I think you should buy this. And if you take the advice, then they earn a commission. Okay certain percentage. And back in the day, it was, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent on every dollar that was put in. And a couple years later, the advisor calls you back in and says, hey, we did pretty good, but you know, I want to sell this and I want to buy this. I I want you to buy this. And, you know, if it's good advice, you take it. Or if you think, perceive it as good advice, you Uh take it and they get paid a commission again. What the heck? And that's the way it worked. I'm not saying there's any there was anything wrong. <laughs> that to it. sounds terrible. It does, that's a lot it? of that's a lot of an individual's you know hard-earned savings going out. To, right, and uh, and, yeah. and people investors made money as well for sure. You know, because I I would think that a lot of the advisors were good and given good advice, but yeah, there can be a problem with that. Um, there's a conflict of interest yes. if you think about it. Again, even if the advisor is good and giving you proper advice, because if they get paid by you saying yes to their advice, because uh-huh. um, in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, um, is this advice good for me or is it good for yeah. my advisor? Yeah, even subconsciously. You know, do they have man. a mortgage payment to make or what yeah, is it? Yeah, so many dynamics. Yeah, so in the back is- of your mind, you, you're wondering if there's a certain type of conflict of interest. But one of the good things about um, financial planning and investing is things have moved on. And I think a lot of it is because people are starting to become more knowledgeable. Yes. People are getting more savvy. There's a lot more information out there. Thank you, internet. Thank you, internet. Yep. Exactly. And people now... Um, have kind of pushed to get away from that model. And the industry is, is <laughs> yes. do, has done a good job. The insurance industry isn't quite there yet. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the investment world, most advisors now, they don't charge commissions to give advice. They've changed the model a little bit. Okay. And this is sort of how we charge as well, is we will charge a certain percentage of the assets that we're managing for you. So if you've got, you know, a few hundred thousand bucks with us and we're charging you 1%, then we'll charge you that annually, and right. our fees come, come out of come out of the account. And okay. it, there's a little line item on your statement that just says how much we're getting paid. So it's become much more transparent. Definitely, and, and it's a based lot on less. the value of the account, right? Yeah. So if yeah. the value goes up, then your advisor is going to get paid more. Yes. If it goes down, or if they're not happy and they move their account to somebody else, yeah, the revenue is leaving with it. So it kind of puts the advisor and the client on the same side of the table. Uh, absolutely. Um, of course, it's it's not a perfect solution. It's a lot better than it was before, at least that to, right. to my ears. More transparency. It's easier to understand. Yes. The advisor is going to get paid regardless of what they buy and sell in your account. Yeah. So that's, it starts to move away conflict of interest. But I think I'm really proud of the industry is that they're moving even further away from that. And, and so is our office. Um, we're in that process. But you can charge based on the scope of service. So if you come to me and say, hey, Paul, Alyssa and I want to plan for retirement. We're 
uh, we're managing our own accounts. We've got, you know, a robo advisor. We've got our money yes. with like Betterment or something that charges very little, or we're doing our, our own trades yeah. on Robinhood. Or <laughs> you whatever know me so well. Right. You can, you can do that because, you know, if you feel confident in doing that, you can absolutely do that. But you can hire an advisor to say, well, can you just look at the investments I've chosen and tell me if they're, if you think they're, they're suitable for me, if they'll get me to my goals, kind of educate me about them a little bit and um, help me figure out exactly how much I should be saving. How is this going to affect my taxes? What are the things I have to consider? What happens if I get injured or if I die early or if I've got a mortgage, I got certain debts, I've got all these different goals. How do I, what's the best way to allocate my resources to accomplish them kind of in order of priority? Absolutely. You can hire an advisor that will do that and you can you know, negotiate a fee for that. You there know, whether, we go. Whether it be hourly or, or just a, a flat amount for the plan, you can do that. So um, those that resources sounds, are absolutely available. Yeah, definitely. The resources available for, um, you know, for, for the individuals um, is sounds a lot better than the old school method of the, the way it was. And so, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're at this point in your career now, um, just kind of taking a step back. Uh, let's get to the point um, where, you know, you're like 10 years in, um, and you're about to take over the company, right? Um, what was that feeling like? I mean, you've put all of this hard work in. Yes, your mom brought you on, but you put all this hard work in. Uh, now it's your turn. Now, now it's your turn. This is not something you even went to college for, right? Mind you, right? right? This is, um, you're, you're at what, like 30 years old or however old you were at that point. Um, actually, how old were you at that point? 10 years ago? No, no, no. Uh, About five years ago, I was 34. So 34. 34. 34. You're about to take a huge step. What was that like? By this time, there's already some sort of unspoken understanding that I am my mom's succession plan. Okay. When she ultimately rides into a retirement sunset, I would be the one to carry the torch. And um, I started to take ownership of certain decisions. When we needed to hire, when we needed to move offices because we were outgrowing it, when we needed to implement certain technologies, I would um, I would start that conversation and I'd come up with proposals and I would even be corny and I'd do PowerPoint presentations <laughs> to like really get people to buy in because yeah, we're yeah. like visual learners. So there started to be this understanding that um, Paul's going to take take us in that direction. I think he's capable. I don't think that at the time um, I, I felt completely ready for that, but as ideas start to flourish and it starts to make everybody's lives a little bit better. Um, yes. At, at the end of the day, a business, you have to generate profits. Of course. That's the point of a business and, and you know, just <laughs> kind of technical terms. And so the ideas that I was implementing, it was saving us money. It was helping us to grow profits and revenues, but it was also helping us deliver a much more individualized, customized experience for clients. Yeah. Because now we were moving past um, selling things and we were de delivering an exper a life experience to clients. And um, so we'd had a lot of conversations, you know, while driving to appointments or just kind of sitting in each other's offices and talking about what the future looked like. Okay. And um, it wasn't offered to me. It, it wasn't offered. And I don't know if it ever was going to be offered. I think the understanding from my mom's side was that uh, one day, um, this is all going to be Paul's. I'll okay. be gone, and this will be his. And we gotten. And when I once I realized that that was the plan, I thought, you know, remember, I have a chip on my shoulder. I've yes. got to earn it. 
I came back and I said, no, that's not really going to work for me. And not, and it's not any kind of ultimatum. I'm not going to leave, but we need to have a conversation about how the transition is going to happen because I started to learn a lot over the years and I no longer can just take steps in doing it. Um, being a financial planner, I've really learned how to plan in a lot of areas. And so with the business, I knew I had a plan for it. And I knew that if I was going to take over and um, start to implement all my own ideas and have a sense of ownership, yeah. I needed to make it more formal. So that conversation took about four or five years to finally come into fruition. And now we're doing an, an official sale. This is kind of this, this is kind of interesting is when I talked to my mom about it, I said, you know, I want to buy the business from you. And she said, well, why would you want to do that? Like, <sighs> this is your business. When I'm gone, it's, it's yours. I have a brother and sister. Yeah. And they said, but you know, you're the only one involved in the business. You've helped it grow. You've helped it to survive. And she said a lot of complimentary things towards me, like saying, "Hey, listen, I'm like, I, I'm getting older. I don't have, um, I don't have the desire to kind of keep it growing. But you here is gonna <coughs> is gonna do that. So this is your business. And when we're gone, it's yours. You don't have to pay for it. That that did wow. not sit well with me. I mean, it was gr- great that chip, idea. Man. But if I took that, you know." How is that going to look? Of course. But also I have to own it. I have to, I have to earn it. So I got some attorneys. I got some people to value the business, figure out a good price for the business, a good terms. And um, we executed it because at the end of the day, like I just, I couldn't take it. I love that. You, you got to have pride. Yes. It's got to be a certain yeah. level of pride. I love that it's man. It's my baby now. No, it's, it's, it's so important. You know, um, you know, so many people will just take the hand out and to say, no, that's just not me. It's not who I am. It just shows, it shows it once again, I keep on going. It shows, shows to your character, right? Um, because you could have easily just said, yeah, sure. Why not? But you know, one of your, the, one of the biggest things that you have had that is in, in my opinion, just hearing this story, um, that has benefited you is your chip on your shoulder. You know, that chip on your shoulder has put some, real perspective into the decisions that you have made over the past 16 years. Um, and, and, and now, uh, you're at, you're at this point where you, you've implemented all of these, you know, awesome things. Um, what are some of, you know, the, the new technologies coming in 2020, uh, that you're about to implement into your company? So I think that's one of the things that sets us apart from a lot of advisors is that we have invested the money into technology, into technology, invested the time into learning it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there, but some of the things that we use, well, one is um, my broker dealer, the people who I, you know, do the investments through and they give us all the compliance support and service support that we need. They've built their CRM system from the ground up, and that allows us to keep all of our client data organized, look at what they've got in their accounts, and follow up on them on a regular basis. Because, you know, most people that fire their advisors over time, it's usually not because their accounts aren't performing well, but it's, and, and there's research that supports this. Absolutely. Most of it comes down to communication. They're, yeah, they're not, sure. they're not contacting their clients in a timely manner. They're not responding to emails or phone calls, or they're not reaching out for things that are non-investment related. Yep. That's the number one reason, lack of communication. That's the number one reason why somebody will find a different advisor. Um, I pride myself on just not losing clients to that. <laughs> and a big part of it is, um, is 
the software that we use. And so a CRM, uh, just so you can explain to the people listening and then and then obviously go on, um, go ahead, customer relationship manager. Right, so we know, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, when they have, um, when a baby's born, mm-hmm. you know, we like to get personal, personal and send personalized gifts to I them. I love that. Yeah, just to let them know that we care about those things. We care about their lives. And that's just one tiny way of showing it. But it allows us to follow certain processes. I read this book called The Checklist Manifesto okay. a few years ago that really changed my business life, if you will. Is it's We do a lot of complicated things in life. I mean, you can build skyscrapers and airliners, and they have very low failure rates. Absolutely. You don't, you don't hear on the news about skyscrapers falling all the time or airplanes coming out of the sky that happens but as many flights as there are they're pretty yeah, darn reliable absolutely and one way of doing that is to take these very complex procedures that we do and simplify them into certain steps and and so often is when there's a failure it's because a procedure there was a flaw in the procedure yeah. And we tend to think that we can remember all those things, but no you know way. we're wired in such a way that we can do these high level jobs, but the easy things, the the simple steps, like sending a birthday yeah. card or calling somebody for an annual review, those are things that can fall through the cracks very easily because they're so simple. So we've set up these checklists and we call them workflows that remind us what to do. So if if we have a meeting with a new prospect. I go to my CRM, I enter the workflow, and immediately about five or six tasks are automatically entered in our system and they're assigned to different people on different dates. So that allows us to not let those things slip through the crack. And we've got workflows for everything from establishing new accounts to doing transfers for when client dies, when we start a new relationship with somebody, when we're gonna have an, an annual review. Yep. We know which reports to run. We know when to call them for reminders. We know how to send out emails to confirm the appointments. And it's all automated. It's it's all, I mean, we we click the button yes. to enter it at, at that point. On the back end It's all, It's all done. Uh, one of the things that I felt was such a waste of time, not a waste of time, but it just, it was an area that really needed to be improved was scheduling meetings with people. Okay. I mean, imagine this, we're sitting here and, and, and you're a client and I say, hey Brock, you know, we, we should get together for our annual review. There's a lot I'd like to go over with you and I'm sure you have a lot of questions. So, you know, let's meet. You're a busy guy, you're, you work nine to five and, and afterwards you've got other things going on. Well, I don't want to work at night because I got a young family at home. Yeah. So I'm trying not to work in the evenings. I'm trying not to work on the weekends. So you come back and say, "Hey, oh yeah, Paul, I can meet. Uh, I can meet on next Tuesday at six <laughs> o'clock." Oh, sorry, Brock. You know, my daughter's got a, uh, my daughter's got soccer practice. How how about Thursday? Oh, you know, I can't do Thursday. I've got some. So the back and forth of having to schedule those meetings, the monotony, took a Oof. long time, and sometimes it just ended up pushing things back. I'm all about making people's lives easier. That's why they hire me. That's why they pay me. Yes. Why do I want to add just another thing that they have to do? Oh gosh, I got I to gotta meet with Paul. You know, I'm like their dentist. Yep. <laughs> so, I got to meet with Paul, Dr. Paul. Yeah, but if, if it's um, stressful just to make an appointment, then I'm doing something wrong. Absolutely. So I started looking into scheduling okay. things. And there's a lot of great applications out there, but I chose uh, a software called Calendly. Yes. And it is fantastic. It's cheap. It's like 12 bucks a year. It's so easy to use and set up. It's attractive looking. And basically what it is, is I go in and I customize the type of appointments that I want. 15 minute phone calls, 30 minute online meeting, meeting 60 minute or 90 minutes. And I define, you know, what are those types of meetings good for? 
and it's 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 a personalized web page essentially, and it integrates with my calendar. Okay. So let's say we're let's go back to you and me trying to meet. Yeah. Shoot you out, and I say, hey Brock, you know I think we should talk. I know you're a busy guy. I think we could do a thirty minute online web conference, maybe during a lunch break or so. I'll just uh, let you view my screen and kind of walk you through it and answer your questions. And um, to make things to make it as easy as yeah. possible, meet with me. Click on my link and you know schedule the meeting. So you do that. We schedule a meeting. It automatically updates my calendar. If you say that you wanted a phone call, you put in your phone number and I'll call you at the time. If you wanted to meet outside of the office at you know Starbucks or okay. if you wanted to meet in my office, if you want to do online meeting, integrates with my go-to meeting and a, you know, Zoom and all that. All of that, yeah. Yeah, so if you say an online meeting, you're going to get the meeting ID. You'll get reminders as when it starts. You can save it to your calendar so That's that you don't so forget nice. about it either. But I would say that there's always a group of clients that are so difficult to schedule with. And typically they're younger people like yeah. me who have these busy, busy of lives. Course. They are starting to schedule and the feedback has been phenomenal. Absolutely. So man. that's something I'm really excited about because I'm doing it now. And I didn't realize the results were gonna be so good, so early. Yeah, I would have to say that's one of the biggest returns on investment, some of the best like 140 bucks I've spent <laughs> in a very long time. Yeah. Because I'm meeting with more people. That's and, so awesome. And when you're meeting with people, it's a pretty darn good use of your time. Absolutely, and you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was cutting your hair. Um, and um, I looked into it, Talk with Robert, we're gonna talk on Monday and we're gonna implement it at Ergo, right? right? And then I started thinking also with my podcast as well. Um, you know, sometimes there can be a back and forth. And because the cost is so low, um, you know, what what twelve dollars a year, right? Twelve bucks a month. A, a month, I mean, twelve dollars a month. Still pretty cheap. It's it's very, very, very cheap, allowing, you know, um, my guests to pick time and date right on there because they can go right to the calendar. Um, you know, these simple tools that we can use for our businesses um, are can be life-changing. I mean, just imagine that $144 a year that you're spending, uh, that need, that back and forth uh, that businesses constantly are going through to set up meetings, phone calls, whatever it is, um, can be solved. And yes, of course, you're going to have, you know, a small amount of your clients that, you know, want to book it the old fashioned way. Sure. Um, but most clients, most people, they love it. Absolutely. Find yeah. their life easier. And you can customize it too. Like if you don't want people to abuse that, you can send them a one-time link. You can send Perfect. them access to your calendar indefinitely, or you can say, no, 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 just this one-time link. Once they schedule, the link is essentially dead and you'd have to send them a new one. Um, so those are things that you can do. I think you can use that in just about any business. Any business. Some of the other, some of the most important technology that we use be, besides CRM is our financial planning software. Okay. And there's a lot of really great ones out there. And I've used um, about four of them over my lifetime. But there's one in particular called Money Guide Pro that I absolutely love. And uh, one of my stories is I want to meet you where you are. Okay. I want to make this easy for you to use. I want it to be dynamic and engaging. Like I want us to collaborate. Um, I don't want to just, you know, print out this, you know, this book of plans for you so that I can just collect dust on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this to be something you can log in from your phone, from your computer. But what it is, is it allows us to gather all your financial details. It allows us to really clearly define your goals, get really clear about how you're going to spend money in the future. 
whether it be for retirement, for healthcare, for um, you know, getting kids through college or just having, you know, giving yourself an allowance, yes. you know, above and beyond the basic living stuff. Like this is your, I always call it fun money. <laughs> Clients love when I enter that goal in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for them to say, all right. Gotta so love that fun money, bro. How much money, money do you want to spend every month guilt-free? You don't have <laughs> to ask each other for permission. You don't have to feel bad about it because we're planning for it. There we I go. I call that the fun money goal. And I, I put it in that. everybody's plan. Um, well, this software allows us to do that. It counts for, it, I mean, it does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like, it looks at things like inflation, assumed rates of return on your investments and how things might happen if like, what if we go through a financial crisis again? Or what happens if interest rates rise? We can kind of test, stress test the plan for that. But it's essentially financial planning software and it's very dynamic where you get to see it. Uh, we give you the tools as well. You know, We have an online portal for it, clients can log in and they've got these little sliders where they can play around with it. They say, well, hey, what if I, retired two years earlier? Or what if I wanted to spend um, an extra $4,000 to travel every year in okay. retirement? My clients have the tools to do that and they can see it. And rather than sending all those questions to me and me taking two weeks to do the math and get back to them, we can paint that picture in two minutes Gosh. with the, with the technology. That's insane. I mean, it's fantastic. And um, another... 2020 was my year for technology. I like it. I ended up doing everything a couple of weeks early. Uh, I had some time at the end of the year and started implementing things. Another thing is another software I'm using is called Riskalyze. Okay, Riskalyze. Riskalyze. It's okay. really, really cool. It helps people to understand how much risk they're taking in their investments. And it and then it also allows you to take um, a really cool questionnaire that helps you to identify exactly what your appetite for risk is. Very nice. And, um, and it all comes out, the results come out as speed limits. You know, it looks I like, love that. like, hey, you're a risk score 76. And it looks like <laughs> a speed limit sign because, you know, people might be driving down the highway, down a windy road yeah. at 80 miles an hour. It might be perfectly no comfortable. Good. But if you've got yeah. a, a risk score of 55 and you're going 80, that's that's, that's going to make good. you really uncomfortable. Absolutely. So sometimes I notice with, with clients, um, new clients that come in and have me do evaluations of their investments, their portfolios, sometimes they're taking way too much risk, <laughs> and but they don't know it, you yeah. know, because it, it can be quite confusing. There's Absolutely. a lot of information, but where do you look? For sure. Sometimes that creates a problem. So this software helps me to, uh, I've always been good, I think, at um, kind of picking up on what their risk tolerance is, but this does a good job of showing them okay, and letting them understand how it works. And if I were to make this change, how does it affect my overall picture here? So those are just, most of the software is really helping me to deliver a certain experience to clients. I want them to be able to do it on their own time because when I'm researching something, if you know, I'm thinking about going to Big Bear for, um, you know, in February, just hanging out with family for a couple yeah, yeah. of days in the snow, in the winter wonderland. <laughs> It's usually going to be at 11 or 12 o'clock at night when everybody's asleep and I'm laying in my bed and I go on Airbnb. Absolutely. I love that. When I was looking for homes a few years ago, I just, I jump on Zillow ah, or Redfin tools, and I man. can do it on my own time. Absolutely. And if I couldn't do it on my own time, then um, who knows if I would have gone through with those of things. Of course. Absolutely. So, you know, to push that over to the financial planning side is like, let me give my clients the ability to have access to this like cutting edge technology and uh, and let them do it on their own time. That's awesome. Let man. them schedule an appointment with me on their own time. So that's really what I've been trying to gear my technology for. I love that. I love that. It's really crazy what the internet has brought and um, all these new software and technology. And it's so 
uh, different than it was, you know, just 10, 20 years ago. And every right. single year it's getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And all of these things are changing, making our lives so much easier. Um, for people just starting out, I mean, this is really hard in, a, in, in just America and just across the globe, right? We are not given the tools at an early age by any means, right? Uh, junior high school, high school, this is not something that is taught. What are some of the very first things people should start doing. They, um, they, they, they are just at get out of college. They're 20, let's say 25 years old, just starting to really work and figure things out. What should people do to start to prepare for the future? Well, they've got to get very aware, very, very clear about where they are. Okay. Um, and I'm, I don't mean to be vague there, but let's say you're working at a job and you're not making much more than minimum wage but you probably know how much income you're taking home. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Most people know how much For money sure. is coming yeah. in. For sure. But most people that I meet, sometimes even people who are already retired, most people don't know exactly where it's going. Okay. They don't know how much they're spending. So that's, um, that's huge. Is, it is. And that's one of the things I think we need to teach in as far as starting in elementary school. Yes. Something I'm teaching my kids is you got to know how you're spending your money. That's so important to track your expenses. Absolutely. And there's so much technology out there that allows you to track it for almost for free. I mean, you can go to mint.com. It's huge. Sign up an account. You use mint? Yes. How great is it? It's fantastic. It's you, truly fantastic. Do you pay any money for it? Uh, no. no do I have the swiper thing on there where I can do the taxes and all that shit? I mean, you could. No, no, but you can it's, do it for completely free. It's what I, they call I, freemium. Yeah, no, no. For, I started out with the free and then I evolved to the yeah. paid version. But yes. It gives them the ability to look at what, you know, to track your assets. Essentially, Absolutely. to sell you product. If yes. you want more service of it out of it. You can buy it. For sure. You, you can plug in all your information. But if you want, you can use their free tools, which yes. are fantastic. Absolutely. So you link it to a bank account, to your credit cards, and all of a sudden it pulls in all these transactions for you. And a lot of them, it's pretty smart about categorizing them for you. But you know what you do is you go in and you start to categorize them yourself. Like, oh yeah, I'm spending this on restaurants. I'm spending this on groceries. I always say when, when you're looking at your expenses, Separate those two things, please. It's know huge. how much you're yes. spending on restaurants <laughs> and eating out and, and eating at home. Yes. Um, how much money you're spending on gases or insurances and rent and um, bills. Most people don't know exactly how that's done. And Absolutely. so it's really, really important to know how your money's being spent because we're such a visual, people are just are. visual learners. Yeah. So when t- I know that was the case for me. You know, you asked earlier when I got back from, from college, yeah. I came back, I think with like a 450, I don't even know if it goes that low, but it was, it couldn't be more than a 500 credit score, Wow, which that's terrible. It's fucking 500 terrible. credit score is just terrible. Yes. Uh, it goes all the way up to 850. Yeah. 500, you're probably not going to get a good car loan. You're definitely not going to get a mortgage no. with that because you're viewed as a very risky borrower. Yes. Somebody who doesn't pay their bills on time. Yes. And maybe lets their balances go too high. Yep. So um, I, didn't, I didn't know this stuff yet. You, even with my mom as a financial advisor, it yeah. wasn't really taught in the home either. Yeah. So we got to teach our kids at home. We got to teach them at school, but you got to track those expenses because it's so, so important. I know when I started to do that, I realized how much I was eating out. There we go. And to me, that just made my stomach turn. I thought, gosh, no wonder why I'm in debt. No wonder why I don't have any savings. It's the way that I'm spending my money. It's way too much discretionary spending, things that I have a choice as to what I'm going to do with. And just seeing how much I was spending on that, it made me start to change my, my, my spending habits. Starting to become aware. I started to go and I thought, why, why am I eating out so much? Oh, because I come home tired. 
maybe there's not food in the refrigerator. I don't want to have to clean up afterwards. So I thought, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that there's always food in the refrigerator. There we go. If I make dinner, make a little extra so you can take it to work. Yep. Now, I can't eat leftovers every day. No, you can't. But I was able to cut restaurants in almost in half. There we go. And I started to get out of debt and I started to save a little bit of money and all those things started to reflect on my credit score. So that's one thing you've, you've got to track your spending. That's, if, you're t- if you take anything out of what I say today is please track your expenses and just look at how you're spending money and then make your choices from there. But you, once you see it, you're probably gonna make at least one or two good changes. For sure. That's gonna positively, positively affect your financial life. That makes sense. But the other thing is also to understand your credit score. Yeah. You know, credit is so important in this country. And, it is huge. Um, it's also a great benefit. The ability to borrow money to buy things is huge. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people who can just go buy their first house with their savings. No. Yeah. It takes a lifetime to do that. Absolutely. That's why they give you 30-year mortgages. Yeah. I still don't know a ton of people. Most people probably can't go out and buy a car. Yeah. Most people probably don't have 20 or 30,000 lying around to do that. Definitely not. So the ability to borrow is really, really important. It's huge. And if you don't know what your credit score is, it's going to be difficult. So check your credit score and... Um, try to get it up and it's not that difficult to get your no, credit score up. No, definitely not. And and so once you get past that, once you start figuring how much, you know, you're spending and allocating for these certain things, um, how much should, you know, a, a young adult be saving for the future? I mean, I know numbers are different, but just mm-hmm. on average, um, what should we be doing, you know, to prepare as far as savings as much as, you know, we don't, if you don't have a 401k, if you don't have those things from work, right? Yeah. Uh, what should someone do? Well, generally speaking, I think it's pretty, I, I think we could give like general advice on that, which is, um, have you heard of the 50, 30, 20 rule? I have not. All right. So uh, it's pretty simple. You get your take-home pay after yeah. taxes are withheld or, um, you know, make sure you set some money aside for taxes if you're not paying yeah, as you yeah. go. Like if you're an entrepreneur. Of course. Uh, 50% of your money should go towards your basic living expenses. Things like rent, things like groceries and bills and insurances. The things that you just kind of need yeah. to carry on. 30% of it is that, that fun money we talked about. That's your discretionary spending. Okay. Um, it's, you know, going out to the movies, going to dinner, which is why I say, you know, separate the going out versus the groceries. It's um, just having fun. It's going on vacations. Absolutely. And 20%, you should be saving. Okay. That sounds like a lot of money. That's because it is. For sure. Um, I don't think most people are, are starting with 20%. So don't feel like if you can't do 20% right now, don't use that as an excuse not to start. Absolutely. Because if you can save $25 per paycheck then do it. And sure. even if that represents much less than 20% of your net income, at least do something because something's better than nothing and sure. sooner is better than later. So, but, but generally speaking, I think that if you're saving 20% of what you take home, you're probably going to reach your, your, your savings goals. You're probably going to reach your financial goals. Yes. Generally speaking. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially once you hit uh, retirement, you yeah, know, 50, 30, 20. I like that 50, 30, 20. Actually, you know, I've heard of the 80, 20 rule, which is you know, completely different than what we're even talking yeah, about I think right that now. That has to do with like twenty yeah. percent of people do eighty yeah. percent of the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or even just like the the type of work. If you have like the hairstylists or people in your career, eighty percent of people will be at this level and twenty percent will be at this level. Right. Um, it actually should be like eighty nineteen one. 
but whatever. Um, that being said, though, the 50-30-20 rule, that is um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And if you can't hit that 20%, start saving towards that 20%. Now, if individuals are starting to look, not, 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 not stocks and things like that to buy, but what are some applications people can start to use if they're not ready to use a financial planner, but they want to start uh, not investing, right? Um, like different applications, things like that. What's out there right now? Well, that's the competition, Brock. So I don't know if I know. Ah. Uh, I've heard of Robinhood. I haven't personally used it too okay. well, but there's a lot of really good established companies that have a lot of resources yes. there for you. And it doesn't cost a lot to get into. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I can mention like specific company names. No, that's and that's totally fine. But there, I mean, you know, if you go in and you just kind of type in like, you know, low priced brokerage accounts. And those are like robo advisors? Robo advisors, uh, they've got some minimum investment amounts. I okay. think in some of them, like I've heard of some that, um, I think you have to have like 25,000 to start with a robo advisors because okay. robo advisors are getting a little bit more service. You're getting people who are actually making the investment decisions okay. for you. But um, if, you know, just type in like low, low cost investments for sure. And you're going to find a bunch of things like Tons. mutual funds and ETFs and you'll find firms that allow you to open with a small amount of money. Yeah. You can link it right up to your bank account and start automated savings, which that's another piece of advice that I think is really important to just about everybody. Okay. Automate your life. We're, you know, you got to make your life as easy as possible. And one of the things you can do is automate your savings. All right. Is whether, even if it's going from a checking to a savings account, do that. When you start to invest money, uh, whether it be in a retirement account or non-retirement account, is you just stick the money right into your account, choose the day of the week, how often you want to do it, how much you want to do it, set it and just, and let it run. Absolutely. You know, review it. I always say, you know, make a monthly money date for yourself Okay. where you're going into Mint and you're categorizing all your transactions, where you're looking at your investments, you're looking at your credit card debt, making sure that somebody didn't use your credit. That's huge. Your well, if you're not looking at it, how are you ever going to find out? You're right? Not, yeah. not, not until, you know, There's things got real. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to, you want to set that, that money date with yourself every week or if you're your partner, that could be really, that was really good for Sandra and I, my wife yeah. is sitting down and looking at finances together. Yeah. Because I mean, even to this day, we bicker about finances. Of course. Even though I don't think we have a personal need, yeah. we're wired a little differently. So her sense of security is a little different. I yeah. see things and I say, "Oh yeah, we're going to be fine." <laughs> but but to her, she thinks, "Oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't feel safe." I think you know, yeah. what, what happens if this, you know, if this happens or that happens? Money, we don't. Um, so sitting down and, and getting on the same page about things. And Absolutely. Again, it's, it's just about knowing where you are. For sure. And and we have to spend time doing that. It it's takes, it's important, right? Take a little bit of time, especially if you're if you're a couple and even if you're not, if you're an individual, I think it's important to start to, you know, look into these things. Um, you know, we, we have all these other technologies out there, but at the end of the day, the service that you offer um, to, an, to an individual or a couple um, just sounds a lot better. You know, it's like you can either throw someone into the fire or you can, you know, walk them, you know, and hold their hand and walk them into the wind, if you right. will. Um, and and for, for you, is there, do you guys have minimums? Um, well... Not necessarily. I personally don't have minimums because when I started in the business, we never really talked about minimums. Yes. Um, and when I look at my source of new business now, almost yeah. all of it comes from referrals of existing clients. Yeah. I don't have people walking into our office. I don't um, have people 
Well, I'm going to have some people that found us on the on a website, of course, and have come in to kind of interview us and, and liked what we had to say and offer. And so they signed up. But 95% of our clients, new clients come from referrals of existing clients, which has been great. That's awesome, man. And if you're a dear client of mine, and I just love working with you, and you refer your 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 child or a friend of yours, yeah. and maybe they just don't have the type of money that most of our clients do, I'm not going to close the door because I think that's almost insulting to you. I love that. And if some if there's advisors out there that do have minimums, I'm not saying anything no, bad of about that because at the end of the day, they're running businesses. Everyone. Has but for to. me, I have to be true to who I am. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I love helping people gain financial literacy. Yeah. I love seeing them grasp their financial goals and really like take it to the next level. Yeah. And, and shepherding them through that. I love it. And and that's okay with me because sure. I don't want to be. I don't care if I'm a billion dollar financial advisory firm. I, I don't care if we're necessarily in the news for being one of the top firms around. That's not what makes me go. What makes me go is I'm providing a service to somebody Absolutely. that they find it valuable. They have a, you know, they're, they celebrate their success and they attribute some of that to us. That's really what makes me tick. I love it. So I love it. I'm not closing my door to people who don't have a lot of money. Great. I like that. But That's awesome. But, I want to say this. Yeah. Um, you know, we're running a business, so we're. I do some pro bono work for, for sure. some people who need to work with an advisor oh, that's awesome. and can't necessarily afford it. But I've I've got to be, I've got to use some discretion in that because I've I've got to run a business. I've got employees that rely on us to give them their check every week. Yes, and um, so that's not um, that's not a huge part of what we do. You know, like the the, the starters. So I've got to price it right because there's a need. Yes. especially amongst um, millennials or younger people who are starting out in their career and they've got student debt. Yeah, They've got a job and they've got expensive rent and they've got some credit card bills, so hard, but they've man. also got goals. Yeah. So how do you manage all that stuff? I wanna be able to work with those people, but I couldn't work with a hundred of them because it would take up so much of my time. Of course. And um, there's not really any investments to, to make money on of course. as an advisor. So that model that we talked about earlier about charging a percentage, yep. that's not gonna work. So one of the things that I started to implement because um, I wanna provide the service, but at a certain level, we've gotta be um, compensated. You have to. I started a subscription model. I love that, let me hear about it. So somebody is able to hire an advisor and we okay. charge them a monthly subscription fee, kind of like Netflix for financial yeah, planning, yeah, yeah. where they're able to set up a credit card or checking account and they pay us on a monthly basis. Okay. And we have a very specific service model. Like these are the number of meetings that we have throughout the year. These are the types of issues that we're gonna tackle. And I, I feed them content throughout the year, things that can kind of uh, help them be educated about some of the decisions you're making, what to expect going forward, how to identify certain opportunities. And um, you know, we get all these things that we're talking about, I'll actually hold their hand and do that with them. Wow. And, and it's, it's something that if they feel that it's affordable and a good use of their money, then they can hire me to help them do that. That's and so it's awesome. different than what I was doing when I started, which was making investment suggestions. I would make recommendations, implement them and do our reviews. Now this is a little, a little different. Absolutely. We're, we're addressing people that haven't accumulated the wealth yet, yeah. but they want to. Of course. They're dealing with other financial issues that you know, traditionally financial advisors didn't want to touch with a 10 foot pole because it wasn't making them money. So what I'm trying to do is fill the gap. 
I'm trying to give them a service. People are used to paying subscriptions of nowadays. Of course, yeah, we're used and to it. And if the subscription works, they keep it going. And if it doesn't, they cancel it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a little bit new, but so far the their feedback has been phenomenal. I, I got love a, that. I got a Christmas card from one of my younger clients okay. who we're doing this with. And I'm so proud of her. She, um, she started making a little bit more money than she was in the past. And she resumed her savings. She's got a retirement account. She's got a non-retirement account because she wants to save and, and buy a house in the next 10 years. And she, you know, you can't tap into retirement accounts too early. Otherwise there's like no. penalties and taxes. Yeah. So we've got something else going on for her. She's um, opened up some new credit cards because she didn't really have much to begin with. And so her credit score is increasing. We're like looking at that every month together. She's getting stoked. I mean, she's getting stoked, but you know what was so cool? She sent us a, a, a holiday card and it was her on vacation. And on the back of it, she personalized it and she wrote a letter. And so she must have sent this to all of her family and friends, but she was talking about her accomplishments throughout the year and, and all the big changes in her life. And very specifically, the first thing that she said um, was that she hired a financial advisor this year and what? she started to build out these <laughs> I love it. And I was like, oh, that's a, definitely a card I saved. Uh, for sure, because, man. That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Really, really neat. And she's on the subscription model. So, so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember us talking about that before. And I just, I, I find that so amazing that, you know, this isn't, um, this isn't like a big thing out there at this point because we all need help. I mean, all of us, we, we don't, uh, you know, coming out of school, coming out of college, you know, 25, 30 years old, um, it's not taught to us. And, and so having a service that really helps us out on so many different aspects of, you know, finances, it just makes sense. And no wonder, uh, you know, her hiring a financial advisor, you know, it, it, of course mm -hmm. it's like a huge fucking check. And so yeah, kudos to you and kudos to the work that you're doing. Um, I, I want to ask you a couple questions. You said, um, you brought up stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and I, I just want quick little definitions on them. Um, is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, cool. I think we can cover that without having any sort of yeah, compliance yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Good. This good. I, I'm trying to get you. In, no, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, brother. Right. Just if people don't know what the heck a bond is, a mutual fund, an ETF, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, let's just do fire and shoot. So, uh, what is a mutual fund? Yeah. So, mutual fund. I would like to go backwards okay. but before we get to that. Go for know, it. I want to build a foundation. And I actually have this with like every new prospect or every new client is I have this conversation with them and I'll let them know like, hey, we're going to talk about some really basic investment ideas here. Yes. And sometimes, you know, like the husband would be like, oh yeah, I already know, I know about know. this know. stuff. And, yeah. and then a lot of times the wives are more engaged yes. to that. Um, but, <laughs> but I do this because I always want to lay a certain foundation. Good. And one of the things I start out with is, you know, what can you do with money? We have conversations about money. Like, okay. what is it? What does it mean to you? I'll, I'll skip all that. You know, your first memories of money. I'll, I'll skip all those okay. things. But I do talk about those things because I think they're important. But um, what are the things that you can do with money? And I'll ask you that question, Brock. What, what can you do with money? Um, you can spend it. You, you can, can spend it. You Absolutely. Can, you can save. You can uh -huh. build businesses. Mm -hmm. um, you can Which invest. I would call investing. Yeah, Building investing, right? Investing. Mm -hmm. Um, you can donate it, um, you can gift it, uh, you can set it on fire. Um, You've pretty much hit everything that you can do with money. Okay. Like you, that, that's like an A plus answer. You know, <laughs> I'm you can, sorry. You can spend it, you can give it away, yeah. you can invest it, you yeah. can bury it in the backyard, yeah. do whatever you want to do. Exactly. Right. Well, 
Let's talk about the investment part of it yeah. and the save and investment part of it. Um, if you want to own a business here in this country, you can start a business, right? Yeah. But what if you want to own uh, an established business like Microsoft? Okay. You know, how do you, can you do that? Can you own Microsoft? Uh, I, well, through stocks, right? That, that's how you do it. Yeah. If you, if you want to own the company Microsoft, tomorrow morning you wake up and you can buy it. Yeah, and um, and and when you own those shares, you own that company. You own that many shares of that company. You have voting rights on it. Uh, if if the stock price goes up ten percent over the year, well, your your shares went up ten percent, and and if it goes down, then you it goes it goes down right there with it. But that's owning a business, and that's how you do it. Wow, you yeah. buy a stock. Most people don't know that, right? Like, yeah, we think of it as like you know the stock market. You know, I'm going to buy the stock market. Yeah. It's just this this like unicorn out there that <laughs> exactly. You know, it just it kind of it 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 just does its own thing. It's got a mind of its own. But at the end of the day, a stock is just a business. Yes, it is. You own a business when you yeah. buy stock, and um and that's the beauty of it. And I like to think of it that way because when the stocks stock market's going crazy. At the end of the day, I just remind myself, I own businesses. I own a lot of different businesses. And businesses are very smart and they know how to navigate changes in the economy because they've always done that. And they innovate and they hire people. Well, so if stock means that you own a business, what a bond is, a bond is simply a loan. Okay. So let's say that, um, let's say that a friend, an acquaintance of yours comes up and says, hey, Brock, I I need to borrow $10,000. You're going to have a few questions, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. You, you're going to ask yourself, well, what do you, you're going to ask them, well, what, do you, what do you need the money for? When are you going to pay me back? And how much interest are you going to give me? And I'm assuming this is not a very close friend where it's yes. interest free. <laughs> think of this as an investment. <laughs> yeah, so, so you loan the money and you set a term. You know what they're using it for. You know kind of their credit worthiness. Yes. Are they the kind of people that will pay you back or are you never going to hear from them again? True. So if you're going to evaluate that, you want to use the credit worthy people. Yep. Which is why your credit score is so important. Yes, it is. Credit card companies and mortgages, they all do the same thing. (laughs) They're looking at how your ability and and, uh, history of paying people back. So a a bond is, is nothing more than that. When a company needs to raise capital, you know, they could issue stock. But often they'll issue bonds and, and they're looking for loans. Wow. So if you want to buy, and, and the U.S. Treasury does it, state of California does it, city of Los Angeles, they do it for a bunch of different reasons. But if you want to raise capital, one way of doing it is to just issue a bond. And if you go and buy that bond, you're loaning money. And it's very clear that after a certain amount of years, you're going to get all of that money back. In the meantime, you're going to earn a coupon. You're going to earn a certain rate of interest. Absolutely. And so that's what it is with a bond is you've got a couple of guarantees. So it's not going to be quite as risky as a stock because you know that you're going to get something back Absolutely. in return. Well, of course, unless they default. And that would that's, not be good. That's a risk of that. But generally bonds have lower risk than stocks. Okay. Okay. But also because they have lower risk, there's going to be less reward over, the long, over longer periods of time. So if stock means you own a business... And a bond means you loaned money to somebody, and you know there's cash, of course. A mutual fund is think of uh, it's think of a barrel. Okay. Think think of this this big barrel, and we'll call that the mutual fund. And you've got a bunch of different investors, and all of them they have a certain objective. You know they want they want to get growth of their money, and they want to buy stocks located in the United States in technology. Okay. They would buy a mutual fund. That's a U.S. technology stock. Our, our fund, and they put their money into the mutual fund, and they buy shares of the fund. And 
each mutual fund has a manager, you know, all these different management companies out there. The manager takes the money, they invest it according to the objective, because that's ultimately what differentiates one fund from another is what's the objective, what's the yeah. purpose of it. So if you're looking for technology stocks, the manager's probably not going to go put a bunch of money in cash because that's not aligned with what <laughs> with what the mutual fund's supposed to do. So they go out, they make the investments, they don't do it for free. Look at the you want to look at the fund expenses okay. of, of the mutual fund and um, and they take they take whatever they're charging um, from the returns and they turn around and they give it back to each shareholder proportionally. So if the fund is up by 9% and the fund expenses are 1%, which that's high for a mutual fund, by the way. Okay. I'm just trying to make things easy. Of course. But 9% is the return, 1% is the management fee, 8% is the net return. Everybody who owns the shares of the mutual fund gets that 8% return. Okay. The same amount of time. And that's really what it is. It's a pool of investor dollars, like-minded investors, and you have a professional manager. And one of the things I like about mutual funds is it makes it easy. You don't have to go and evaluate which bonds to buy, which stocks to buy, when to sell them. Okay. Um, because the mutual fund is doing that for you. And of course, I, like I said, they're not doing it for free. They're charging you, but it's really easy. You stick your money in there. There's, there's, there's ease of investment. You have professional managers doing it for you and you're diversified because they can go in and buy 200 stocks where it might be a little difficult for you to go out and buy 200 stocks on your own and get that type of a diversification. Because Absolutely. if stock means you own a business, I don't necessarily want to put all my eggs in one basket yes. and one, own one or two businesses. Of course. I want to have businesses here in the US. I want to have businesses globally. I want businesses in technology and healthcare and financials and real estate. And you know, I want to own companies that do like you know, groceries and yeah, utilities. Yeah, yeah. The whole nine. Yeah, because these things act differently in different market cycles. When okay. economies are is doing good, certain types of companies react better to that. When markets are going down, other companies might be a little bit more insulated. Like utilities, for example. Absolutely. You're still gonna turn on your lights. Of course. Of if, course. If we're in a recession. You're yes. still gonna go buy groceries and hopefully you're still gonna be brushing your teeth. Absolutely. So I those hope are so. those are like <laughs> more defensive. So you you kinda wanna have your foot in all those different areas. Yeah. And di- diversification it is reduces is your key. risk. Absolutely. It helps you reduce. One hundred percent. And you know, a lot of times people throw around the word compounding, compounding, compounding interest, right? Yeah, what, Albert what if, Einstein says that was the most powerful force in the universe. Well, there we go. That Wow, I did not know he said that, but now I do. And I, I might have butchered so the quote. But, yeah, but you know, you're paraphrasing, right? Um, for anyone that doesn't know, what is compounding interest? What the heck does that even mean? It's interest that earns interest on itself. Okay. So let's say you've got a thousand bucks and you stick it in the bank and you earn uh, 5% interest. So you put that thousand bucks in there. Next year, you're going to have $1,050. Yes. And if you earn 5% again, then the next year, that $1,050 is going to earn 5%. Okay. So you're going to earn a little bit more than that first year, that first $50. You're going to earn $50 plus 5% on that $50. Yes. So it starts to accumulate. And um, in the later years of compound interest, I mean, it's huge, okay. huge differentiator. That simple interest is if you put a thousand bucks in, you get 5%, you're going to earn 50 bucks every single year forever. Yes. But compounding means that the new balance is going to start earning that interest rate. Absolutely. So that, that's basically what and it is. As that pocket's bigger and bigger and bigger, and you get closer to the later years, that uh, that, that interest is 
get in just, it'll be huge. Right. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, right? That's we, the idea. That's the idea, right, behind it, right? Um, so we talked about, you know, when you're younger, what you should do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and all of these things. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I just really appreciate you coming on here, sharing a little bit about your story, you know, the things that you went through, the ups, the downs, um, all, all of that. I love you, brother. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, dude. My first podcast. Yeah, there'll be many more, baby. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Back to Your Story. Have a good night. Peace out, motherfucker.